My name's Cody Kniper with Kniper Ranch in Candelia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we have endured some hot, dry days over the last couple of weeks. Triple-digit temperatures and not much rain. And when you look at that drought monitor that comes out every week, you can tell things are really bad across most of Texas. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The recovery effort continues at the Texas A&M AgriLife facilities near Vernon following last month's devastating tornado. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll have an update on the peanut sheller. Expectations are for an average cotton crop in the upper Texas Gulf Coast as farmers take a look at test trials for various varieties of cotton. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Texas farmers and ranchers will be watching the U.S. Supreme Court closely in October as two important cases are heard. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Triple-digit temperatures haunted much of Texas over the past week, and it shows on the latest drought monitor released on Thursday. Very little of our state is not affected by some level of drought. With huge patches of the worst D4-level drought across the western panhandle, the southern plains, and in the hill country. Stephen Diebel operates Diebel Cattle Company near Victoria. He says it's tough there as well. We're probably 70% below our average. We typically grow 70% of our grass from March to June. When you're down 60 or 70% of that rainfall for the year, we're, we're really in a tough shape down here on the Gulf Coast. There's spots that look okay, but I look at that drought monitor every Thursday that it comes out. I know the majority of Victoria County is in a D3. Goliad County, kind of to the west of us, is a 4. So, you know, those drought conditions uh, on a weekly basis just kind of move east. Diebel says he has a good drought management plan in place, and so far, it's working. It's been a somewhat of a challenging spring. The cattle look good. Like I said, our grazing management plans, we try to plan for, for things like this, and, and we'll be fine for now. But certainly, it'll be a long road to get these pastures and rangelands recovered. Diebel has been fortunate in that he hasn't had to do any major destocking so far at this point. Well, our wheat harvest is winding down here in Texas, and it's the same for our neighbors to the north. 
Mike Schulte is executive director of the Oklahoma Wheat Commission. He says they've had a tough year, just like we have. You know, it just really was a tough year all the way around just due to the drought conditions all over the wheat corridor from southwest Oklahoma uh, up into north central Oklahoma. You know, I think producers in a lot of areas are really surprised that the yields are doing a little bit better than what they had anticipated. That's not to say that, you know, we certainly had complete losses in far southwest Oklahoma regions. And then we had the hailstorms that we had to deal with in south central Oklahoma. So that hindered us from getting harvest moving uh, just due to the heavy rains and then hail damage that we had received in those regions. But as we've gotten into central regions of the state and north central regions, things did get a little bit better uh, as harvest progressed. Schulte says the Oklahoma wheat harvest should be wrapped up by the 4th of July. The state's largest farm organization is expressing disappointment with the Senate Agriculture Committee's passage of the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act. Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining says the organization is extremely disappointed with the passage of the bill, despite an overwhelming amount of analysis proving that a government mandate in the cattle market will only hurt cattle ranchers. The recovery effort continues at the Texas A&M AgriLife facilities near Vernon following the recent devastating tornado. James Hunt has an update on the facility's peanut sheller. It's been about eight weeks since a tornado tore through the Texas A&M AgriLife facilities near Vernon, causing extensive damage. As the recovery effort continues, there's been a lot of interest in the condition of the new peanut sheller that was installed there just last year. Here's an update from Dr. Rick Veerling, the director of the AgriLife Center at Vernon and manager of the AgriLife Foundation Seed Program. We still do not have electricity to the peanut sheller. So we haven't been able to turn it on, but we have done a very thorough physical examination of every piece of equipment in the peanut shelling line. And we found no damage to any of the shelling equipment. Now there are, like I said, we don't have electrical power there. Uh, There's three electrical boxes that are needed to power the almost 50 electrical motors we have to run everything. And the two smaller ones look like they are damaged beyond repair and will need to be replaced. The larger electrical box will need a new box, but the inside guts appear to be in working order. Sounds like good news overall. However, it's expected to take several months for new electrical boxes to arrive, so Dr. Veerling says the peanut sheller will not be available for use when harvest time comes this fall. But there is a backup plan. We are working with the private peanut shellers in the state of Texas, and they've been great. They've reached out to us and they're gonna help us. So it will be getting done, but just we won't do it this year. The AgriLife sheller should be ready for use in the fall of 2023. We'll hear more from Dr. Veerling on the recovery effort at the Vernon facilities tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton conditions vary across the state depending on where you're at. Tom Nicoletti attended a recent field day on the Texas Upper Gulf Coast to check out the cotton conditions there. My guest today is Scott Stanislav. He is a technical agronomist with DeKalb, Hasgro, and Delta Pine. And uh, Scott, 
at a recent field day in Fort Bend County. You talked to farmers uh, about what you folks are doing in the in the cotton, and so far, what does the cotton look like out here? You know, it's been a tough year for cotton across southern Texas. Comparing the crop in the upper Gulf Coast to some other areas that are pretty drought-stricken down in the coastal bend, it obviously looks better up here than, than what it does down there, and expectations at this point are more likely to, to have an average crop at best uh, for this particular area currently. The drought, high winds, and now the excessive heat, all, uh, all those combined certainly make for additional challenges for farmers. Oh, absolutely. It's usually windy along the Texas coast, we know that, but this year's been fairly excessive when it comes to wind, and that that does some things to the crops, not just cotton, but all of them, and with the drought stress and the wind together, we have a shorter crop in stature anyway because of the wind and the drought. As we think about what this crop looks like now, we're really moving quickly towards cutout and so unless we get a lot of abundant rainfall here to kind of kick this crop back off fairly quickly with all these heat units that we're accumulating with these high temperatures the rest of this crop's going to go really fast. What was your main message about Delta Pine cotton to the growers here today? We covered a, a slew of different topics around cotton and specifically Delta Pine varieties. We have a handful of new products that have come out over the last two or three years that have really good fit in the upper Gulf Coast of Texas. Of course, all these varieties, you have to manage them a little bit differently when it comes to plant growth regulator management. And so we discussed some of the different options that you have. That is Scott Stanislav, technical agronomist with DeKalb Asgro Delta Pine. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas farmers and ranchers will be watching the U.S. Supreme Court closely this fall. Gary Joyner tells us there are two important cases affecting agriculture. The U.S. Supreme Court is drawing its fair share of headlines right now, whether it be stories about rulings of high nationwide interest or the security of its justices, the court is in the news. Texas farmers and ranchers will be watching the court closely in October when the court's new term begins. The justices will hear arguments that month in two cases of interest. The first is a case involving two Idaho landowners who challenged Environmental Protection Agency jurisdiction over waters on their property. Pundits say the court could use the case to significantly alter the way EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers determine what is or is not a Waters of the U.S. The justices will also hear arguments in October in the challenge to California's Animal Housing Law, Proposition 12. The case was brought by the National Pork Producers Council and American Farm Bureau Federation. The question is whether Prop 12 violates what's known as the Dormant Commerce Clause. In other words, can California require other states to adopt minimal housing standards for sows that produce pork sold in California? It'll be interesting to watch both cases. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. A new study done by Texas researchers reveals just how much damage feral hogs are causing to Texas golf courses and cemeteries. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And xylazine is commonly used in horses for sedation. However, it's being linked to overdoses in humans. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Take the path less traveled and learn about the diversity of agriculture in the Lone Star State. It's a little education and a whole lot of fun. 
Texas farmers and ranchers between the ages of 18 and 35 can join the Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Fall Tour, September 9th through the 11th in Amarillo, Texas. Learn about the diversity of Texas agriculture in the Amarillo area. Develop a network with other young producers across the state. Fellowship with one another and make new friends. Registration is open now. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org to register. The Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Fall Tour. The registration deadline is August 4th. Reserve your spot today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Xylazine is commonly used in horses for sedation, but Dr. Bob Judd says it's now being linked to opioid overdoses in humans. Xylazine has been approved for use in horses for 50 years since 1972 and has also been used in many other species of animals. The drug is very safe in horses and maybe less so in other animals, but can be deadly in humans if exposure occurs. The drug is commonly used to sedate horses for floating the teeth, suturing lacerations, and other conditions requiring sedation and pain control. It is commonly used by most equine veterinarians and may even be present in some horse owners' barns, but is a prescription drug and should only be used under a veterinarian supervision. VIN News Network indicates that xylazine is a non-opioid compound but has recently been mixed with drugs like fentanyl, cocaine, valium, and heroin to enhance their psychoactive effects in humans. A report last month revealed that xylazine was being found increasingly in human deaths due to drug overdosage. In Philadelphia, it was found that over 25% of the drug overdose cases involve xylazine with other drugs, so this is a serious problem. Xylazine is not a control drug, but it is a prescription drug, and the use of xylazine increases the chance of fatal overdose when combining it with other illegal drugs in humans as it increases the depression of the respiratory system. There is an antidote for overdosage of xylazine in animals, but no antidote is approved in humans as the drug itself is not approved. However, the only opioid overdoses reported are when using xylazine with other drugs. The important points are that xylazine can lead to death in humans, so we have to be very careful with this drug, and the drug should be locked up to prevent theft for illegal drug use. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new study done by Texas researchers reveals just how much damage wild hogs are doing to golf courses and cemeteries. Jessica Domel takes a look at the study. It is no secret that feral hogs, or wild pigs, cause millions of dollars in damages each year by rooting up crops, compacting soil, wallowing in water, and contaminating it, and trampling landscaping. And for years, we've known that those same feral hogs are also busy ripping up turf grass and irrigation systems at both cemeteries and golf courses. And now we know just how much damage the invasive species cause in Texas each year. A recent survey by Texas A&M University Commerce and New Mexico State University reveals that feral hogs cause more than $1.6 million in damages to Texas golf courses and cemeteries annually. Researchers sent surveys to all of the golf courses and cemeteries in the state and heard back from representatives from 38 cemeteries and 85 golf courses. Of those, 64.7% of golf courses say that they've seen damages to irrigation 
litigation or turf caused by feral hogs. 38.9% of cemetery managers say they've seen damages from feral hogs, mostly because they're tearing up the grass. According to the research, respondents representing the golf courses and cemeteries said the frequency of damage caused by feral hogs has increased over the past three years. The research indicates that counties with more months of above-average temperatures were more likely to see feral hog damage, perhaps because the feral swine are seeking out the irrigated areas as the temperature rises. The researchers say this data is important because understanding the impacts allows managers to weigh control costs versus the cost of the damage caused by the feral hogs. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market managed to close higher to kick off the trading week on Monday, but the meltdown in the cotton market continues. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Attention farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35. Texas Farm Bureau has an amazing opportunity to highlight individual achievements, discuss complex agricultural issues, share your Texas Ag story, and be rewarded. Full-time producers can apply for the Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher Contest for a chance to win a $60,000 prize package. Part-time producers and those individuals involved in other ag industries can participate in the Excellence in Agriculture Contest for a chance to win a $15,000 prize package. Actively contributing and growing in agriculture and the Texas Farm Bureau has its benefits, like cash prizes and recognition for a job well done. For more details and an application, visit texasfarmbureau.org. Applications are due August 4th. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The live cattle market traded on both sides of unchanged on Monday to kick off the trading week. However, we ended up to manage a higher close across the board. Feeder cattle, however, they traded higher throughout most of the day. A lot of support coming from a big drop in the corn market. Here's how we wrap things up in the cattle trade. June live cattle up 90 cents to close at 136.25. August up 10, 133.47. October live cattle up 37 at 140.12. August feeder cattle. Cattle up a dollar sixty two one seventy four twelve. September feeders up a dollar seventy two at one seventy six eighty. October up a dollar eighty five one seventy eight ninety two. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday to kick off the week. We sold cattle last week at one thirty eight here in the Southern Plains. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up four eleven two sixty nine oh nine. Select up a dollar thirteen at two forty six fifteen. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Man, was that a long line at the alleyway at Producers in Cargill on Thursday for the cattle sale. Jody Fry, how many noses did you count? 
Good numbers. 2060 was today's total of just a little over 1100 uh, last week's. Better quality steers, 4,600 pounds from 150 all the way up to a high of 215, mostly 160 to 185. Steers weighing 6 to 800 pounds, better quality steers, 135 all the way up to a high of 170, mostly 145 to 160. Better quality heifer kids, 4 to 600 pounds, 125 up to a high of near 165, mostly 135 to 155. Slaughter cows average to high yielding from 62 to 78. Did have several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 79 to 89. Thinner or lower yielding type cows from 36 to 58. Slaughter bulls from 80 to a dollar. Did have a few of the very highest yielding slaughter bulls from 101 all the way up to a high of 115. Red cows and, and two-year-olds actually just had one set of heavy bred solid mouth cows and they brought 960. Cow kit pairs, baby tooth to good solid mouth pairs, anywhere from 900 to a high of 1400. What do you know for next week? Well, another busy week on the sheep and goat. We'll just be 10 or 12 days ahead of that Eid festival uh, coming up there uh, the first week in July. So it'll be busy. I don't know if we'll quite have 11,000, but I'd say at least 8,000 or more on Tuesday. Uh, I look for cattle numbers to back up a good bit next week. Uh, we'll just be a few days prior uh, to that July the 4th weekend. And uh, I sure look for the cattle numbers to be lighter next Thursday. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody Fry. You bet. At the office, 325-653-3371. Mobile phone would be 234-7895. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower on Monday. July hogs down 75 cents at 110.17. August down $1.90 at 104.87. Class 3 milk steady to lower. June contract unchanged at 24.33 a hundredweight. July milk down 28 at 22.50 a hundred. And the meltdown continued in the cotton market. Limit down across the board on Monday. Of course, the same factors are pushing this market down. Fears of an economic recession and improving weather patterns for some areas of the cotton belt. Also, the restrictive COVID-19 lockdown in China is continuing to put pressure on the cotton market with October cotton limit down 400 points, 10315. December cotton down 400 points at 94.05. Big drop in the corn market to kick off the week on Monday. That coming from good weather in the Corn Belt, milder temperatures, and better-than-expected rains in parts of Iowa and Illinois, especially pressuring those new crop contracts. The old crop July lost six cents at seven forty-four and a quarter, but the September down twenty-one and a half, six sixty-one and a quarter. December corn down twenty-one cents at six fifty-three a bushel. Both hard and soft wheat taking another big drop on Monday. Kansas City wheat and Chicago wheat both losing about 4 bucks a bushel since the middle of May. So we've seen quite the meltdown in the wheat market as well. July Kansas City wheat down 19 and 3 quarters, 972 and 3 quarters. July Chicago wheat down 19 and 3 quarters at 904 a bushel. In the energy markets, July natural gas up 23 cents, 645. August crude oil up 220 at 109.82 a barrel. The financial market slightly lower Monday afternoon. The Dow down 62 points at 31,438. The Nasdaq down 83 at 11,524. The S&P down 11 at 3,900. 
That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.